It's time for Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And here is your host, Inside Towers business editor, John Celentano. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. The 2023 Volume 3 issue is available now, and um, uh, we're already working towards the the Volume 4 issue. For more information or to subscribe, visit insidetowers.com slash intelligence. A timely topic today, uh, with the slowdown in construction and installation activity on macrocell deployments and activity on towers in general, the challenge for infrastructure providers and their contractors is how to reallocate those skills and human resources to other new activity on the ground, particularly fiber installations and increasingly energy-related projects. Learning Alliance Corporation is very involved with conducting training programs to help field technicians add to their qualifications and skills to work in a multidisciplinary environment. Cesar Ruiz, CEO of Learning Alliance, is here with me today to share some perspectives on how his firm is helping with this workforce transition. Cesar, welcome. I guess we say welcome back to Tower Talks. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me back. And as always, engaging in intelligent conversations that hopefully will bring value to the to the uh, to the people. So. Good. Well, well, let's just put the the topic in context, uh, Cesar. You're up close to this. You know, characterize what we're seeing in the marketplace as far as the um, the training that re- that is required for for telecom technicians these days and how that's changing. Sure, John. It's obviously shifted as many of our employers have taken a lot of their macro technicians and realizing through the slowdown that they've had to diversify. So we noticed. Um, as the slowdown began that people were kind of reshuffling staff to either figure out how to do other types of work, whether it's in the middle mile work or uh, just fundamentals on on the uh, uh, broadband side um, that put them outside of their comfort zone. But we also did see a significant amount of work or people that were taking their civil crews and kind of supporting more of that EV station uh, Mm -hmm. type of work and environment. We're, We're just seeing a lot of work uh, obviously, everyone knows about the beat funding. Therefore, everyone's trying to get ahead of it, knowing that we're probably a year away from seeing the first bead dollar, uh, you know, on a national scale. Mm-hmm. A lot of the employers are really just trying to take their macro staff and trying to figure out how do I train them to do middle mile work, uh, not just the splicing, but some of the other fundamentals of trenching, uh, you know, ditch witching, you know, directional boring, all the way down to building the tray, you know, the trays, the conduits. Um, it's it's just um, a major evolution. It's a bit of a gold rush, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got to learn things like. Uh... Uh, optical testing and alignments and all of that as well, right? I mean, it's not just uh, uh, civil work that they're involved in. Absolutely. It's the, the civil works, the actual, the easier part, because a lot of these crews have already been there, done that. If yeah. you're on a macro site, yeah. you've been exposed to a lot of those same fundamentals. Where it's slightly different is when you're dealing with either 
uh, something on the EV side that deals with power or whether it's uh, mm -hmm. just, you know, the civil work that then leads to the middle mile work to get fiber to uh, a curb, a prem, a central office, you name it. So right. um, it, it, there is sophistication. Uh, there is incredible amount of detail. These men and women have to really be in the detail just because it's uh, on the fiber side. It could equal, you know, a dirty network on the electrical side as we you think of yeah. EV charging stations, it's it's pretty dangerous, you know? Right, right. Do you, do you see transition at all the say, tower technicians that might end up working in either solar or wind wind uh, tur turbine deployments, that sort of thing? Is that is that a transition that makes sense, or, or is that a completely different field? You know, the wind turbine's a little different. It's significantly different because of the, the GWO requirements from the Global Wind Organization, uh, it's completely different, but on the solar side, there's a lot more. There's a lot more flexibility, so we're mm -hmm. seeing a lot more of a transition again into the EV charging space, and then a lot of the solar components too. So, we 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 are seeing a lot more of that, and the funding is definitely going to be there to support it. Whether it's from the uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act that is focused mm -hmm. on on a lot of the green technologies, or whether it's the bead funding, we're seeing that the capital is there. It's the transition process. It's the workforce development initiative. Right. It's the um, the ability to take an individual and cross pollinate and cross train them across multiple disciplines. That's a bit of a challenge, and also for employers to get into either of those areas, John, it requires right. capital because when you want to go from agro to fiber, you know they're going to need splicers, OTDRs, yes. just a a lot yeah. of expensive equipment. So. They're playing a very, very uh, delicate dance right now, which is the unfortunate necessity in order to get into that space. So as a, as a training organization, what, what does that mean for you in terms of how you have to scale up and adjust as well? Oh, we had to adjust a lot, John. Over the last year, we've uh, we've gone from just doing macro training, uh, you know, focused mm -hmm. on NWSA, NWSA readiness, Getting mm -hmm, people, mm -hmm. you know, from authorized climber or rescue, capstan, hoisting, rigging, all of those things to now kind of pivoting so that that 15 to 20 percent of candidates that cannot climb or have a fear of heights have then been able to go into more of the in-building DAS, outbuilding DAS, yes. and then getting into yes. the fiber program. So we've added two additional programs to support that. And you know, we did it mainly because we didn't want someone that really wanted to change their life and get into the middle class to not be able to take advantage of their dream because they may have a, a fear of heights. Mm. Uh, and that move ironically helped us significantly because now we've been able to diversify, uh, you know, the way that we deliver. Mm -hmm. The macro needs are significantly smaller now. Uh, we're down to under 300 open requisitions a month right now when we were close to 1100 but wow. then on the other side in the on the fiber uh and fiber to the uh to the to the prem or fiber to the home we went from roughly about 150 openings to over 900 so it's just um a shift in the requirements mm -hmm. of the industry and where are the jobs so that as we identify the individuals we're pointing them in the right direction but that's been our shift of the last year john so what what does that meant for you, Cesar, to uh, uh, in terms of staffing, your staffing and facilities, and um, have you you've had to expand or you set up uh, new John. facilities? <laughs> yeah, 
We did. That was one of our big investments is we had to restructure our facility so that we could dedicate roughly, you know, 10,000 square feet just for the in-building and the fiber area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we had to cross-pollinate our staff very much, Mm -hmm. you know, the same impediment that employers are running into. We went from uh, 17, uh, you know, instructor staff members that were all macro. And now we've basically cross-trained everyone so they can actually teach Hmm. all three of the disciplines. And then the real value here was, you know, in the fiber space, we were able to really partner with great associations, phenomenal industry experts and Mm -hmm. manufacturers that literally came in and took our staff, took their background, their experience, and then really provided us with a lot of the the, the, the proper habits, the proper disciplines to ensure that we were training and that we are training our graduates on the right technology. And because a lot of our students, just like our instructors, did not come from the industry and they didn't come right. with any bad habits. It was very simple for us to transition to the right way of doing things based mm-hmm. on what the manufacturers and the industry was, quote unquote, prescribing. And right. uh, we've had a great deal of success because of that. But yes, it was 10,000 square feet reallocated john taking all of our instructors going through some pretty intense stranded training uh took us about three months for every seven in order to finish it and then at the conclusion of that just a lot of equipment john yeah uh, viavi has yeah, been very helpful sematoma uh, mm-hmm. all of these major players plp with their trays their enclosures uh fiber manufacturers really just what was really great about this transition is that there was an entire grouping of manufacturers and industry experts that just kind of came to the rescue and gave us the best practices. Uh, And it didn't make it as painful as I thought it was going to be, John. So we're very confident. We're very fortunate and confident that uh, now we're actually able to provide really good graduates that are going Mm -hmm. straight to work and making a difference. Uh, And then one of the things that we're doing right now, John, to kind of make it a little bit better on the employers is we've been aggressively going after funding. So hmm. the, the goal of the funding obviously has been to find the different grant grant pockets to right. try to help reduce some of the financial pressure, John, that sure. macro employers are having to say, gee, now I not only do I have to buy the equipment, but I have to train my staff. And we're, we're hoping that uh, if everything goes as expected between the five applications that we have out, that we'll be able to to um to receive at least two of those awards and have roughly about two million dollars to help employers with their existing staff where these right. grants are going to be able to fund for the uh for the transition or the blended uh you know knowledge transfer so the grants go to you to train these these employees is that the way it works or it doesn't correct, go to the correct. employer necessarily does it that is correct it's actually uh created and and put in place, John, to remove the financial responsibility of having to train your your existing employees to then further pollinate their knowledge base or to, um, you know, add additional disciplines and to provide Mm -hmm. opportunities of growth. Um, So at the end of the day, it's it's, it's working in in that capacity, not to provide capital to the employers, but to remove the financial liability for training uh you know these men and women yeah yeah no that makes sense um and i'm sure a lot of employers would like to take advantage of that kind of situation where the, the they're unburdened but 
they need they need the training right they do they do they need the skills because mm -hmm. either their staff has it and if they don't they have to go find a way to provide mm -hmm. that and how do you how do you do that without incurring the expense uh, right. they're already going to have to take it in the chin in the fact that when that individual is in training, they're not going to be, rev re you know, revenue generating. Right. So because of that, yep. what we're just trying yep. to do is ensure that if it's slow right now and men and women, uh, you know, within their workforce are on the bench, if we want to call it that, that we maybe take advantage of that opportunity while they're on the bench and to cross train them accordingly so mm -hmm. that they can then go after some of this business whether it's through prime or subcontract work to, to be able to go do some of this fiber installation again, whether it's middle mile or last mile, sure, uh, it's sure. ensuring that they have that skilled workforce to go after those type of subcontracts. Mm -hmm. Your partnerships are, are uh, you've mentioned to us before, are more than just the manufacturers that provide equipment and, 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 um, and sort of direction on how how, how to apply the, the best practices, but you you have some existing partnerships with some of the operating companies uh, and the ultimate users of these 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 technicians. No, we do. Uh, we're currently in, in in just great conversations with really uh, significant organizations that are trying to kind of step in a little closer to providers like Learning Alliance just so that we can have a greater understanding of what it's going to be like in the field. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, when you really look at content, one of the big biggest impediments that I always hear is that, you know, there's too big of a variance between what people learn in the class compared to what they see in the field. So for example, we're working very closely with Frontier right now on a, on a program called Broadband for Good. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, in that program, we're collaborating. You're going to hear a lot more about that on October the 12th. And the goal is to basically, we've taken Frontier, they've got incredible subject matter experts, they've got incredible disciplines, content, and all we've done is basically brought them to the table so that we have added some of their curriculum, they have provided train-the-trainer opportunities, and all we're really trying to do, again, is bridge that gap. So uh, great organizations like Frontier have stepped up to the plate yeah. to ensure that someone understands what is the day in the life of of a technician, of a frontier technician. Mm -hmm. That's been of major value. And those are the relationships that really makes it a lot a lot easier for someone that is not from this industry to transition in without a significant amount of uh, stress in the sense that this is all new, right? Because no matter what we do on the education side, we can train them, John, and we can try to provide as much of a real world application. But at the end of the day, every employer is going to have a different deliverable yeah. based on their culture and the kind of work that they do and how they manage their statement of work in order to meet those contract uh, requirements. So we're really um, trying to be as open to the industry. Our door is wide open, John. We, mm -hmm. we, we invite anyone from the industry to come to our facility in Tampa to really see what it is that we do so that they can provide us constructive feedback on the things that we are doing well. And equally, or even more importantly, John, what could we be doing that would be a, a greater alignment? Because a lot of the curriculum that's written, you know, in many colleges and a lot of the curriculum that we utilize internally, yes, they're written by PhDs and academics. And sometimes there's just a bit of a blurry line between the book and the mm -hmm. practical application, right? So um, they 
took the challenge, John. They stepped in here. They came to Tampa. They've awesome. been here now multiple times over the last six months, given us incredible feedback. Now they're going to be donating trucks. Um, they're they're they did an extension of uh, of a hands-on component in the back where we now have poles with um, all the wiring, everything that's necessary to demonstrate what does that look like in order yeah. to uh, yeah. to set up an entire network, whether it's a brand new um, subdivision or one that is basically going underground. What does that look right. like? Or if it's above ground, how do you do that aerial drop? And you know, what are the processes that you need to follow to ensure that, you know, the network does not become compromised. So they really stepped up significantly, John. You know, I can relate to the, um, the um, operating companies uh, training you to do what they want to do. I, you know, here I am a graduate engineer right out of school, go to work for the phone company. What's the first thing they do? They put you in a training class, right? Because <laughs> they, they want should, to do though, things their way right uh, you know exactly. the, the degree was fine but uh, now we're going to really teach you um how we operate so i can i can appreciate that but um uh, well th this is this is great cesar i'm, I'm happy for you that you're 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 expanding and, and and moving in new directions i think the you know there's both a challenge and an opportunity at the same time it is john i, I mean i think the whole industry has gone through a, a significant shift right uh, we've all in this entire in this industry have been significantly challenged. Yeah. Um, the only thing that we we were again fortunate is the fact that we were already trying to create those programs just mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. you know the men and women that we serve. Our mission is to put people in the middle class and to put them in a career, not a job. And when we realized that there was a mm -hmm. significant amount of individuals that, again, due to the feedback from a lot of our employers. You know, we got to get them climbing. We have to get them at height as soon as possible because, yeah. you know, there's going to be that small percentage that can't do it. Um, that did help us a lot. Now we really are going to be focused on helping the employers, keeping their staff, cross-training their staff, yeah. and helping them build um, the, you know, you know, the resilience and the skills in order to go after new contracts. Mm -hmm. We're excited for it. And hopefully here towards the end of the year, we will know exactly about uh, some of this funding that we're waiting on, because if it does come through, uh, we'll really be able to help our industry um, significantly. Again, we can't give them capital, but we can give them the best uh, next thing, right? Which is a skilled yep. workforce. Yeah. You have people coming coming in who are, are not necessarily with an organization that just want to up their skill level and then look for a job. You help those kind of individuals as well. Uh, it's been pretty wild, John. I mean, we have a significantly large alumni and right. um, the industry has definitely gone through a right sizing, if we want to call mm -hmm. it that. Mm -hmm. And as yep. they right size, we've uh, been in contact with a lot of individuals, some that are not even our, our alumni that are coming to us to, mm -hmm. to get a little clarity on, hey, where else can I go to work? Uh, the good news is there's still a lot of companies that are looking for skilled, reliable yep. people. So yep. um, even though it has shrunk, John, I'm not saying that it's completely dry. All of our graduates are still graduating and going directly to work. Mm -hmm. um, does it take an extra couple of more phone calls? Absolutely. But there's still jobs there. Uh, what's interesting is we're having people come in that are currently from the industry that are in a transition period. And mm -hmm. now they're learning 
uh, they're coming into our fiber program or our in-building, outbuilding uh, DAS uh, program. But really, the fiber program is taking a lot of um, a lot of positive movement because when they're graduating out of there, there's a significant amount of job openings that I currently sure. have three times larger than what we have on the macro side, right? So they're coming in knowing that if they invest this time, they know that on the other end of this, there's a career once again in telecom, just in a different facet of it. Yeah, yeah. And we and we know a, a good part of the funding that's available is, um, I won't say set aside, but it's being directed to a lot of fiber projects. Um, and so I expect to your point earlier about the funding flowing in about a year, I expect um, there'll be a pretty good demand for people with those kind of skills to to be able to work in the field and deploy fiber and, and uh, get it up and running. You know, John, but that uptick is starting right now. Yes. We're seeing uh-huh. that uptick right now. And if it's yeah. already, if we're already seeing it as high as it is now, I can only imagine how much greater it's going to be. The The thing that I worry about is, that there is a vast difference from just getting a fiber optic certification. Um, anyone can go out there and get, you know, a basic cert like a C5 mm-hmm. where it's a certified fiber optic tech where you're just learning how to splice. Uh, but there's so much more to the job than just knowing how to put it on a machine to splice it. Uh, mm-hmm. The levels of detail above and beyond that um, from digging a trench all the way down to setting mm-hmm. up the trays correctly to doing the utilizing you know an otdr to test it correctly Mm -hmm. to understand Mm -hmm. the bend radiuses to know how to put together a vault um how to splice it and test it in both ends Mm -hmm. Uh, it's significantly greater so i'm hoping that that employers um you know as they look to further expand the knowledge base of their staff that they don't just focus on how to splice but they yeah. also have to focus on the other critical components of building that fiber network and backbone. So, yeah, that would be my only advice, John. <laughs> Very good. Well, this has been great, Cesar. As, as, as always, you're a wealth of knowledge, and, and uh, we appreciate your perspectives. Uh, just as we wrap up here, um, give us uh, how, how the info as to how interested parties can uh, reach Learning Alliance Corporation. Appreciate it, John. Um, again, thanks for having you know me on this uh, on this session. And anyone that is interested in learning more about Learning Alliance, whether you're a corporation and you want to train your existing workforce, you'd like to know about the funding that uh, that we've applied for that you might be able to leverage. Go to mylearningalliance.com and click on the uh, info section. Put in your contact information. It's pretty simple. It's first, last name, company, uh, uh, email address, and phone number. And then uh, someone from our business services division will contact you so that we can actually align you with the funding that's going to be applicable in your region, regardless of where you may be across the country. Uh, and then for anyone that is not uh, you know, an employer that would like to know more about the programs, again, go to mylearningalliance.com. And uh, you'll find that all the programs are right right there in front of you in the front page. Uh, you'll be able to get all the details about the program, the program hours, and the skills that you will come out with, and the certifications. Because, again, we didn't just grab a cert off the street 
we basically worked with Viavi. We worked with uh, Somatoma. We've worked with PLP. We've worked with all of these major players to provide credentials very specific to their equipment and the application of it in, in the uh, real world. And then we're now also tied to the uh, um, FBA um, on the optics certification, which I have to tell you is the most complete certification that is currently in the industry. And if you're interested in learning more about it and getting those certs that align with the practical application of the skills that the employers will need, go to mylearningalliance.com. That's great, Cesar. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for everyone for sitting in with us today. Stay tuned for an upcoming Tower Talks episode. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.